Welcome to the Never Settle Podcast. My name is Mel Clark and I am passionate about helping people realise that settling for second best is no longer an option and that everyone deserves to live the life they truly desire. Hello gorgeous people. Today we get to speak with Laura Martin. Laura is the founder of the Healing to Happy brand and she's known for her unique approach to gut health and mental wellness. So she shares a story about being, as she calls herself, a big hot mess when she was living out in Bangkok, drinking too much drugs, uh, suffered trauma, um, lost her mom very, very soon. She was only 22 and it was unexpected. All of that played out in, uh, in Laura's life uh, and not for the good. Um, so she shares all of that and how she basically came through all of that. But she always had problems with um, anorexia, bulimia and that sort of thing. And so eventually she found her own journey in terms of making friends with her body rather than seeing it as the enemy, if you like. Um, and Laura has gone on to basically help hundreds and, and possibly thousands of people in terms of their own um, issues, whether it be gut issues or skin issues, etc, etc. Because all of these things, they generally come from emotions, repressed emotions, um, negativity, and uh, so yeah, it was a real uh, joy and she also shares um, how she met the love of her life and, and basically what came before that, uh, it's just it's a really fascinating story in terms of her intuition and her deep knowing that this was going to happen, um, although I don't think she fully appreciated that at the time, it's all very well in retrospect, but I love that. So anyway, um, I'll shut up now and uh, we'll get on with the interview. So wherever you are, in the car, taking a walk, um, enjoy. Well, hello, lovely listeners. Today I have the honour of speaking with Laura Martin. Laura, and I need to know, I need to understand this, Laura, a luxury IBS anxiety and trauma specialist. Um, and she helps women to reclaim their health and confidence so they can be sorry, so they can show up, be seen and lead boldly. Laura is also the founder of the Healing to Happy brand and is known for her unique approach to gut health and mental wellness. Laura herself battled her way through trauma, loss, addictions and found herself with a surplus of health issues such as IBS, um, hormonal imbalances, skin problems, which I can relate to. Um, and I think it's fair to say, Laura, that you just didn't get the answers you were looking for so had to do your own research and you kept going and you kept going and you kept going and that's how you've evolved what you now give to other women so mm -hmm. i'm i'm intrigued to know um what that looked like um because in terms of ibs i suffered young when i was younger i'd still i still say i've got a crap gut i reckon um and I suffer with acne rosacea, although that's a lot better now, um, but I still flush a lot, especially if I have um, a curry or something, it just goes straight to my face. So yeah, so welcome, Laura, enough of my health ailments. And uh, it's, uh, it's amazing to have you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation. Yeah, me too. So um, the listeners and I would love to know more about Laura, your backstory, what you went through. Obviously, um, you've written about some of it in that bio, but, you know, what has your journey been leading up to this point? Um, 
and how you started doing your whole, you know, uh, healing brand. Um, I'm intrigued how all that started because it was about 2016 when you journey started, was it? Yeah. 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 Um, it was 2016. I was living in Bangkok, Thailand, and my life was a hot freaking mess. <laughs> like, it was, I mean, you're living in Asia for one and Bangkok for two. Um, I had lost my mom unexpectedly at 22 years old. So 2014. And I went to Asia to go find myself. But after something like that, it doesn't matter where you live. Like you're going to go lose yourself, right? Unless you have a stable foundation, right? And I, and I didn't have one. That wasn't something that I knew. I didn't have one my whole life. And so I found myself using drugs, drinking extensively, over-exercising, under-eating, um, in a domestically violent relationship. And just, you know, I was at the calibration of what I thought I was worthy of in that, which happens. Not a thing we want, but it happens. And it came to a moment and I remember I was 24 and I was like sitting on my then boyfriend's apartment. We had just had like a physical altercation. I didn't know if I could go any further in my life. I was like, I, you know, you hit your rock bottom and it's, you have two choices. You can either continue on that path that you're on, which has a shorter expiration date than you would choose, or you get your butt off the ground and you do the hard thing that you've been avoiding with all these drugs and alcohol and all this kind of stuff. And I chose the latter. And it was that moment when I also sat down with my friend about a day later and I was like, Hey, like, this is what's going on. Everyone knew you could see it on my body, everything I was doing, but no one knew how to have a conversation. And so when I finally sat down with her, she was like, well, you have a really messed up and intense relationship with food. Cause I was avoiding it that was my way of coping with things of being very strict with nutrition. She's like, you have a very strict um, way of dealing with nutrition. So why don't you actually go learn about it? You know, instead of being afraid of it, why don't you go make friends with it? And I was like, sure. Why not? Like, I don't know what I'm doing right now. I'm like teaching English. I'm like partying all the time. Like, sure. Like I'm in for anything right now. So I went and at that time I had IBS. I hadn't had a period like my cycle for about three years. It took me five years to finally get it back, six and a half to get it consistent. I had, you know, panic attacks all the time, suicidal ideation. I had, um, hyper then hypothyroidism doc, like I had zero estrogen in my body. Doctors couldn't figure out what was going on, like scans and scopes and all the funny things and funny places. And so when I was learning in school, it was like, Oh, like, let's just keep eliminating more and more and more foods. You know, this is the common thing we see in this field. I have a history of an eating disorder. I had one since I was like 13 years old. That took a long time to recover from. So for me, I was like, perfect. I will nail this. Like, I am so good at this. And the whole orthorexic thing started and my symptoms just kind of getting worse and worse, no matter how healthy I was eating and led down this whole rabbit hole of- What's that know, orthorexic? Orthorexic is when you become obsessed with health food. Right. So it, it's one of these things where like, it's very common nowadays. It's like, it's not my macros. It doesn't have this color. It's gluten, it's dairy, it's soy, it's lectins. It's this kind of thing. Like I was at the point where I was eating, I had eliminated 13 different food groups. I was eating soups and smoothies. I was 40 pounds underweight than what I am right now. I didn't, I was a nightmare to be around, you know, it was like, oh my God, something touched it. Like having all these food fears, all these eliminations, all these things, because that's what I was learning in school 
right? Like instead of learning what actually worked for me and what I now teach, I was like, oh, like, this is what I'm learning. This is what I read. This is like what all the textbooks say. Like, sure, this has to be right. Why would I question it? You know? And then we get to this point and nothing's working. I'm like three years into it. I'm like, okay, like I'm helping all these people, but I am horribly in pain. And it got to this point that I, it started with a skin rash on my back and it went all the way up my body started in like went up my armpit. And then on my, it was my 25th birthday. I had to deliver a speech in front of like a hundred people. No biggie with this giant rash that was broken out on top of my face. And I was supposed to talk, be talking about gut health. And I proceeded. Cause I was like, okay. But after that moment, it was like, we really got to look at this because mm-hmm. if all the things you're teaching and preaching worked, that would not be happening right now. Right. Like you wouldn't, you'd be able to eat normally. Your skin wouldn't look like this. Your mental health wouldn't be like this. And I constantly felt like a fraud. And so I started to untangle this whole thing. Cause I had a naturopath that talked to me a year or so prior. Cause I went to her just like, what the actual heck is wrong with me? Like, I am so confused. And she's like, do you want to talk about how your trauma is related to all this? And I was like, no, like, no. <laughs> and I took a whole year to go full circle to try everything. And then came back to this whole that brain connection, the vagus nerve, nervous system work, you know, metabolism and how that's damaged through all these years of one big T trauma. And now these restrictive dieting and like really looking at the body from a holistic approach instead of just the microbiome and, you know, went on and got the education and the certifications and things around that. And suddenly playing with my methods and people wanted to work with me and traveling around and started speaking and it's now helped hundreds of women do the same thing I've done. It's just honestly bananas. <laughs> well, I need some, I need some holes filling in there, some gaps filling yeah. in. Right. So, so you were, you were speaking and, and teaching about gut health when you still had problems. So mm-hmm. how did you get into that? Cause you, you, you jumped from abusive relationship to your friends saying perhaps you should research nutrition to all of a sudden speaking in front of a hundred people. So can you join the dots? <laughs> <laughs> so I went to school to become a health coach, right? So I was studying, doing all these kind of things and people saw me go from, because I was very, Bangkok is large, but small. Um, I had a lot of friends in the, you know, foreigner community and they saw me go from this party theme. I was very much out every single day to now, you know, I was always in the gym, but I was like being healthy. I wasn't going out. I was in bed all the time, like in, in a good way, not like in a depressed way, but like I was staying in, I like had these fierce boundaries. I got myself out of that relationship and people were like, wait, what are you doing? And so it started with just health. And then as I proceeded to go on health, I was like, but my gut is still wrecked. So I went and I got like a second certification in gut health to really start to understand it. And I just started speaking to people. I started like posting on Instagram what I was doing. And again, since it was a small community, they're like, oh, I actually have digestive issues. I have this relationship with food. And it started to go from there. And then universities, panels, hospitals, and things like that started to get me on board with different projects and stuff. And from there just started speaking. And it really like... (laughs) just this organic thing that was like, poof. And I was like, oh, okay. Like this is what needed to be said. Mm -hmm. But on the back end, I still had all this other crap that was happening because it was, I was just reiterating the things that I was learning in school, you know? And I feel like a lot of us do this. It's like, oh, this is what I've learned. 
let me see how I can teach it. And I'm applying it to myself and I'm quote unquote gut health queen, but like my body isn't okay. Like, yes, I'm like pooping regularly now, but my skin's doing this now. And I have, you know, these panic attacks and I have these migraines and I have this heartburn. Like there's all these other things that are happening because they're all connected to the gut and other organs of elimination that I wasn't focusing on. Um, and then that kind of whole thing happened on my face. And I was like, we're doing this wrong. Like we are doing this wrong because we're going by textbook. And if that stuff worked, if low FODMAP and, you know, the whole 30 and all that kind of stuff worked, why do we have to keep coming back to it every single 30 days? Mm. You know, and that's kind of where the transmission and all that kind of stuff started to bloom <clears throat> and move away from the standard elimination diets, like things like that. Plus the reflection of like, wow, this is just really disordered eating that I have at the end of the day, you know, if I'm like only eating a certain handful of green foods and I have to eat at these certain times on the dot and I can only have soups and smoothies. It's like that mirror shown in your face where it's like, that's not actually healthy. Like you have no freedom to your life there. Like, even though you're standing and you're known for this stuff, it's like, this is so unfulfilling because it's so fake, you know? And it got to that point. And then now here we are and kind of connecting all the dots between how the body actually works in a way that doesn't feel so scary in a way that actually can repair it as opposed to manage it. Um, and just kind of looking at the full picture in that spectrum. So what did the, um, the lady that said to you about trauma? Yeah. What did that look like? And in, are you happy to share what that was? Yeah. So she, her name is Penny love her. She was my naturopath when I was living in Thailand. Um, and yeah, so she came to me, she, I had been working with her for a while, right. I've spoken on stages with her and I was like, why am I still a hot mess? Like what the heck? Um, and she looked at me and she's like, well, she knew my life. She knew my mom had passed. She'd known about, you know, the history of trauma in my life. And then the current relationship, she was like, one, you really need to gain weight. Like you have this whole fear around food. Like I'm just reflecting that back to you. And two, like you have a lot that's happened in your life that obsessing about dieting isn't gonna, isn't gonna fix that. Mm. And like the avoidance of that, cause that's what I was doing. I was hypervigilant on keeping my work very strong and then keeping my diet very strong. Cause if I'm obsessing about food and I'm obsessing about work, I don't have to think about the things that hurt my heart, you know, but the things that hurt my heart are the things that are causing this fight or flight response in my body. So the gut brain connection. And when we have big T trauma and we have things that happen in our life, our vagus nerve, which is our longest cranial nerve that controls every single thing in our body. Plus it gives off these inflammatory anti-inflammatories and all this stuff controls our internal thermostat, everything. When we have big T trauma, it shuts down because it gets hyper-stimulated. So this is why you see a lot of the like cold plunges or humming and cold showers and this whole Vegas thing that's happening right now. Cause that's what people are starting to realize is that we're singularly just looking at, okay, like what foods can I eat or more important, more like commonly is what foods can I avoid like to heal my gut? Um, and what we actually have to be focusing on is like, how do we get this communication to actually rev back up? So the juices and, you know, the enzymes and the anti bacterials and the things that are happening naturally in our body can actually start to rev back up. And so that's what she was trying to address to me. But the question, like, do you want to deal with, she asked, she said, do you want to deal with your depression and anxiety? And I was like, 
no. Like that question didn't fit right for me at that moment in my life. Whereas if she explained it in like a science way, I probably would have been like, oh yeah, like that makes so much sense. But it was this whole, like, I don't want to go to therapy right now. Like I'm actually actively avoiding therapy. Um, and so I'm looking at the body. And so after I understood like the science part of the body and how it was all in there, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I guess we'll look at that now <laughs> and kind of worked through all of that. So are you a logical left brainer then if you've got to have science to right? Okay. Yes, I love science. <laughs> so, so what did that involve then? So obviously you got to a point where it felt right and you felt more comfortable with it. So what did she actually do to, to help you release the trauma? Yeah, so I actually didn't work with her on releasing the trauma. I went to traditional therapy for a long time. I did EMDR um, and I really went into self-development, but in a different type of way, because we do this whole, I think self-development can be kind of spiritual bypassing. And a lot of times, like you're not actually looking at things. Um, and then I went on, of course, to go study again, <laughs> to study and do trauma support therapy and things like that. Um, and really focusing on how to get my body safe in the present moment. Cause realistically, yes, I understood what happened in my past, right? But I kept going back and revisiting my past and talking about the things that happened and my body would have a flare up, right? Because my body couldn't handle doing that. She didn't feel safe here. She was already stuck in fight or flight. So anytime we went back to talk about my past, my body was like, oh, we're extra freaked out right now. And so really working on getting my body to be present and be calm in the chaos. So meditation, um, just doing the five senses thing, working through that in therapy, like I said, EMDR. Um, what's the MDL? Um, that is, I can't even remember the actual words of it, but you go through it. Some therapists have it. It's like an extra thing on there, but they do this like hypnosis. Like they shake their finger really fast in front of it and gets you into hypnotic state where it's like safe for your body to actually go back and go and revisit that. But you're also have a point in your nervous system and in the transgression where you have a safety point. And so that helps you when you are in your day-to-day -day life to reclaim that safety point when you're starting to feel dysregulated. Um, and then kind of doing my own studies, right? Like self-studying on what the nervous system is, how the three stages of the ventral vagus nerve and how you can kind of identify like ventral is when we're safe. And this is when we're like, quote unquote, call it like the green zones or the top of the ladder, like everything around us. This is when we're in flow. This is when our immunity is up to date. This is when we can connect with people and things like that. And then we move into our sympathetic, which I think is quite commonly talked about nowadays, but I call this like my spicy Latina. It's like when we're fight or flight and it's like saucy and like things where you're like agitated and things like that. And then the third one is dorsal when we just completely shut down. That's like the blue zone, not in the happy way, but like the depressed and you're like, I'm disconnected. I give up, I'm done. And being able to play with that and kind of go through these scenarios of when I'm in each one. So you can actually feel that in your present moment can help to recalibrate your nervous system, which then is safe enough to go and revisit the past traumas and do things like that. In my personal opinion, everyone has their own different ways of doing things. This is just what, what worked for me. Um, and then also healing my eating disorder, like getting comfortable around food and being able to not bypass, um, how my body felt, you know, if I was feeling scared, do I really have to go do 18 hit workouts right now? Do I, you know, like, can I sit in the discomfort of when something arises instead of trying to escape it with exercising or dieting or work is really kind of just sitting in those moments. 
So, so how long did, so you were doing different things with this therapist? Um, and I guess it was a bit of trial and error. How, how did you know it was working? You know, you, you said it worked for you. It doesn't work for everyone. Maybe people have got their, their own methods, but how did you sort of know what, what fundamentally changed? Yeah. Good question. It was bit by bit, right? Like I, I had lived in Asia for six years. And so I got to a point with this one therapist who's, who I did EMDR with, and I finally felt safe enough to move home. You know, I felt like I was connecting with my family again. And I remember saying this to my friends. I was like, you know, like I felt like I needed to build this other life and to do all these things. And I was like, actually, like, not that I want to like move next door to my family and things like that, but like, I'm safe enough to go back to the States. And I feel good about that. And then things like I'm safe enough to, I was a huge, I'm an athlete my whole life. So I loved hit training and like throwing things, my body around and like, that is not good for someone that is trying to heal their nervous system. Like it's, I know whatever, but like, I finally started to get myself down to, okay, like I can do Pilates once a week. Okay. Now it's twice a week. Now that's solely the only workouts I do nowadays. And now we're reintegrating, um, lifting again, um, being in relationship. I was single and I repelled and rejected dating because it was so scary. And I felt I was unlovable and I felt, you know, I have too much damage. I have these things. Whereas I was getting to a point where I was like, oh, like I'm actively moving back to the state so I can find a husband. And three weeks later, I met the love of my life and we've been together since and things like that. But it's, Mm -hmm. you know, we, I started to just kind of feel safer in different elements of my life. And my body was healing. I was sleeping through the night. You know, I hadn't had digestive issues in a long time, but, um, yeah, I would just say my skin, my hair, my nails, I got my cycle back, you know, that was, that was a big one. Cause I really do want to be a mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and just little elements like that. Cause I know a lot of us, when we go into things, it's like, we pick this singular thing, right? Like I want to fix X and we forget to look at the big circle that's around it, right? Like our relationships, our connections, our, you know, our sisterhood, our friendships, our, you know, independence, our solo time, our self-care, our, how are we sleeping? How are we pooping? How is our PMS? If we have any, do we like, all these kind of things, like we have to look at all the different pillars of it. And that was my awakening. Cause I was looking at like, okay, if I, you know, heal my body at this arena, then I'll be complete. If I do this, then I'll be complete. And it's like, no, it's all the little pillars within it. And it, it takes time, right? Like this journey was a, how old am I right now? Um, it was like a five year, like how old? Uh, about five years, four years, five years of really setting this in stone. And just, and like you said earlier, like you just try different methods, mm. right? Like that's it is like, we get so scared. We live in this, what if it doesn't work? And it's like, but what if it does, you know, can you get yourself all that off that fence to actually try things that you might be sitting there and you're like, that sounds crazy. Like, I don't want to do that. That sounds crazy. And I was like, why not? Like if it will get me off this ground and get my brain to be a little bit more clean and like get my body into calibration, I am willing to try anything at this point. And so really kind of grappling with that kind of stuff until you find what works for you. You know, you're going to fail. There's going to be frustrations. There's going to be shame. There's going to be things that don't work out, but like we have to be willing to try, you know, given your scientific preferences, um, do you buy into you know, the energy of the body and the shifting of the energy, which has allowed 
the healing to happen. A hundred percent. Yeah. There's a lot of like energy healing, um, that whole like shadow work stuff, feminine and masculine energy and kind of understanding that dynamic, not so much like the, that's the soul thing. Cause I did, that's who I work a lot with is like visionary leaders. Right. So it's all the shadow work. It's all like the thing, thing that always comes up. Like I have a migraine. That means like I'm processing trauma and things. And I'm like, yes. And like, that also is like a copper deficiency and some neuroinflammation. Like there's also the human body that we need to take care of. Um, and so I think it's, I know it's a blending of the two, cause we can go too far one way where it's like only energy and we can go the other way where it's only science. And it's really coming into this understanding that it takes the body, mind, soul to really come into play, to heal the whole picture. Yeah. Um, I want to hear a little bit about um, your husband now or husband to be. <laughs> yeah, um, his name is Elvis. Um, so, so three weeks into being back in the States. Yeah. So what was the story there? Yeah. So I literally moved home um, to find a husband. I was like, I'm freaking ready for this. Like I am done. Like I got to the point I was like, okay, like I have this success right in Asia doing all this stuff. And I was like, really, what is it worth if I'm alone? Like, I know I can, I'm happy, I'm fine, but like, I'm away from my family, I'm away from these things. And I kept meditating. And this is gonna sound absolutely bonkers, y'all. Like, I get it, but I kept meditating. And this guy with his anchor tattoo kept coming into my meditation, holding our baby girl, giving me coffee. And I'm like, I'm looking at houses to go buy on the island. Like, and I get this vibe, it's back in the States. And I'm like, I just don't have time for you right now. Like, I can't, like, you don't align with the plan. Um, but it finally got to be so much. And so three weeks before I boarded a flight, I was like, okay, I'm just going to shut the office in Thailand, keep the one in Singapore open, shut the office in Thailand, whatever. It was just kind of to get a visa, but, um, <laughs> to do that um I was like, whatever my assistant, it was fine. Cause it was, it's all digital anyways. And so I was like, okay, went back, um, three weeks later, I'm on Bumble as we do. And like, to the point that my friends, my going away party, my friends threw me a pop, like I, we had a yacht and things to go and have champagne and celebrate the six years. Um, but they had a pop-up like bachelorette party because they like knew that's what my plan was. I was like, you guys are so cute. Anyways, <laughs> um, three weeks later, I'm on bubble. This guy will not stop annoying me. Just kidding. Um, and he's like, just keeps calling and I'm not used to someone calling. Like I haven't dated in two, two and a half years. I'm like, okay. Um, and then finally we meet and like, it's just this like spark, which sounds cliche again, but it was. And then on our second date, he's like wearing a t-shirt and it like lifts up and there's an anchor tattoo on his shoulder. And I was like, what? And I thought I was lying. So I went back to my journals, thanking us for journaling and like flipped through. And I was like, oh my goodness, on August 5th, like, this is what I wrote. And I met him, um, October 10th and I was like, okay, like what the heck? And then, like, I know and like even months prior to that like I was talking to my assistant about like in Asia I was like something keeps calling me about Texas like I don't really know like I don't know anyone in Texas I don't know and she's like in her eyes like because at the time she was still like coming to the office and I was like don't worry I'm not going anywhere like this is this was like months prior and then I ended up meeting him and then I think our third date he was like oh I just he's a pilot he's like I just got transferred to Texas so do you want to come? <laughs> so, I was like, I can't, there's too many alignments right now. This is too wow. much for me. 
<laughs> so, oh, wow. Right. So, and you've been together. So how long have you been together? I mean, not that long. It's only been a year and a half, but definitely one of those things where it's been, and it's like been so nice because he has also amplified this experience of like healing my eat because he has no shame around food or anything like that. He's like this fit guy, but he's not this like macro counting, da, 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 like the people I'm used to being around. So he makes food fun. Like he makes this whole experience of life more fun. And like, he's a cancer. I don't know if you're into astrology, but he's very like, be in the home, be quiet. Like this whole shell thing. And I'm like, like running around. So it's nice to be in this co-regulation with each other that I had been so afraid of for years ago. I was like, oh, like, you don't know me. You can't love me. Things like that. But to be in a space where it's like, oh, like it's not too much with someone. If you have, if you're not relying on that other person to heal you, but you can actually hold it in your own space and articulate, like, this is what I'm going through and have them kind of mirror back to you. It can be such a healing space. It's one of those things that like, I'm like, all right, universe, like I see why this was brought into this certain pathway. Cause that was the last little cherry that needed to be fixed. Wow. Um, I don't know if you know, I follow um, a couple of brothers called Guy and Alan Ferdman. Um, they're out in the States um, and they're very, they're very into their energy so that they've done the whole, um, you know, personal growth, self-development, did a lot of stuff with Landmark. I don't know if you've heard of Landmark, but they're a big program. And, and then they've sort of progressed and progressed and, and where they are now is they're like, you know, this is when personal development and the mind stuff, mindset doesn't work anymore. You know, you still repeat in the same bloody um, mistakes. So they've now gone into this energy work, which they've been doing for a few years um, and sharing it on their podcasts and stuff. And it's, and it, it sounded to me when you were just talking then quite a similar thing, being in that space with your partner um, and and you know you're not looking to be fixed but it's that it's that supportive secure safe space for you to be who you are at warts and all and um you know and not have somebody go bye um do you know what I mean and they said that is the power of healing we all try and do it our, alone um but to have that you know that especially with that special somebody is hugely powerful and hugely releasing and they're very much about releasing the stagnant energy that's in your body now we know there's lots of things that can do that acupuncture being one of them that's something i did for years certainly for my skin um reiki i'm a reiki healer so i i work with energy as well but um it's interesting to hear your journey because you've gone very science very like you said it was all about diet but it's not all about diets. It's about lots of things. And I think stress and anxiety are huge contributors to certainly the gut, right? Um, so so you, you touched then on you had a couple of offices in Asia. Um, what, what took you to Asia in particular? Yeah, so I had always had, this sounds so silly, I had an obsession with elephants and children. Um, and so my mom, just before she passed, so she passed in November and I graduated university, um, half a semester early. So, or yeah, half a semester. And so she's like, well, before you go like do the big world things, like to make up for all the things that I've done, I want to send you on a trip abroad. You love elephants. You love babies. 
why not go to an elephant sanctuary and then go or backwards? Why not go to an orphanage and then to an elephant sanctuary over in Thailand? And I was like, okay. And then she ended up passing. So it was still in the plan, but my dad had to um, front the bill. So I had to give them both that kind of thing. But yeah, it was just kind of that thing. And then by the time I came back, so I was there for two months doing the volunteer work. And then I stayed an extra month because I met that boy who changed my whole life and not the best way, but also the best way. Um, and I moved back to America. And after something like that, like I said, I don't, I didn't know I was 22. I have no idea. My life has always been a hot mess. I'm a heavy drinker, heavy party. I have no idea how to handle things. Um, I worked my booty off for three months, saved a whole bunch of money, sold everything I owned and bought a one-way ticket. And I was like, I will figure it out when I get there, but I'm going to go back because I liked who I was there because nothing, you know, maybe you've experienced it, but like when you go back to your parents' house, everything is triggering. You're like, why? I don't act this way. Why am I like this? Like, that's how I felt about being in America. I was like, I'm such a better person when I'm in Asia. Let me go chase that. And you're 22, your prefrontal cortex isn't made up yet. So you're like, let's do it. I'm not like, <laughs> I'm no critical thinking right now. Um, and I went and yeah, I was going to only stay for about a year teaching. I met a girl at uh, All You Can Drink Ladies Night, and she's like, my school's hiring. I was like, I'm not a teacher. I have no idea how to do that. She's like, my school. And they ended up hiring me. God bless them. Um, and then, yeah, started my business from there and just kind of went with it. <laughs> so, the so the business that you had over there, and obviously you said you kept one of the offices, but you closed the other one and... and your priorities had shifted and all of a sudden, you know, you wanted to meet somebody. So what did that business consist of in Asia? And, and is it still the same business you've got now? Yeah, it's consulting. Yeah. So it's consulting and courses and the same thing I was doing more. So I was doing a lot of panels and speaking and workshops. I don't do that in person anymore because of everything. Um, and now we have a broader reach while we just do it online. So I just do that kind of stuff online now, mm. which has been fabulous, but Thailand, I mean, honestly, that one was open just for a visa. Don't come get me, but whatever. Um, not there anymore, so it doesn't matter. And then our other ones are still in Singapore. Cool. Um, and do you have a, an ideal, or do you have a typical client? I know it's mainly women. Is it just women that you deal with? Yeah, it's just women. I've worked with men, specifically the men I work with. Either is I've worked with their wives and they've seen what's happened with their wives and they're like, why does she have so much energy? And then they come and work with me or ex-bodybuilders that are trying to recover their metabolism after years of pumping themselves full of steroids. And they're like, what's happening? Like all that kind of stuff. But I relate better with women. You know, we can talk about spirit. We can talk about these things. And it's not to say that, you know, men don't get that, but there's just that kind of connection. Um, but yeah, so the women usually in that age of like, I'm ready to settle down in my life. No more partying. We're not at the age of like having all the kids yet. We're like in that in between. It's usually 20, 28 to 44 ish arena um, that have some type of IBS usually have been through trauma. They're struggling with, they've done the self-development things, but they can't get to quote unquote there. There's that one piece. And usually it's that piece where I haven't connected to my body yet. I don't know how she works. I don't really know how to eat other than some type of diet and restriction and the things that I've been doing haven't been working. So how do I recalibrate and reframe this? So I actually feel safe in my body again. And a couple of things. So when you talked about your eating disorder, was it anorexia? Both. 
So I started with bulimia and then I went to anorexia and then I went to orthorexia. Okay, right. Um, yeah, a, a close friend of mine has suffered with both um, from her 20s, um, maybe even late teens. But And although she's a lot better, she's not, I don't think she's 100% because I still see, you know, the, the very small portions and all of that sort of stuff. So what would you say was the biggest thing that cured you of the eating disorders? If there is, you know. Yeah, I can't name like one specific thing, um, but there's a few that come to mind. One that changed the trajectory of what I was doing because I was confusing, even though I wasn't as orthorexic, I wasn't like weighing my food and doing that kind of stuff anymore. I was swimming in the an island in Thailand. And one of my friends, I was like, I'm frustrated with the stagnancy of my business. Like, what do you think is going on? She's also an entrepreneur. She's like, can I reflect something back really honest with you? And I was like, <laughs> you're like, soul is like, I guess like, um, and she's like, do you really think you have a healthy relationship with food? And of course my ego defended back being like, oh, like, yes, what do you mean? Um, and really after I looked at it, I was like, no, like I haven't had pasta and I don't know how many years. I could never eat a pizza or a burger. I hardly ever drank. Like, I don't know what fun is. I don't know what pleasure is. Like, realistically, no, I'm not. And so that was a wake up thing. And then, and then after that realization, it was like, but how, right? Like now what, you know, now I have this awareness now what, because I can't actually be like, okay, I'm going to go order a pizza. Like that thought would make me poop my pants. Like I would be so scared that would happen. Um, but it was slow integrations of like, sitting down at the table and going to a restaurant and not looking at the menu. Cause I would always look at the menu beforehand because I wanted to plan out what I had. Cause it would give me too much anxiety. I was like, what if we just showed up and we like let that anxiety come over us? What does that feel like? Um, again, doing a therapy really worked on that really being able to identify like what mind is mine and what mind is my eating disorder brain, which truthfully, I don't think will ever go away. Right. I, I have these thoughts, constantly constantly my brain is doing that especially when i'm around super skinny people or super restrict people or super quote-unquote disciplined people like my brain still does that but it's able to be able to sit there and be like that thought is not mine like that is not what i want to do and my bigger why was i want children you know my biggest thing is i want children and i don't want this reflected on my children Mm-hmm. You know, it, as this conscious parenting thing and this really awareness of like how my eating disorder came about and all these kind of things, I was like, I, you know, I see this and how it's run in my family and it stops with me. Like I'm taking ownership over that. It stops with me. Um, and so my focus, even though it wasn't ideal, like I had to gain an extra 15, 20 pounds of safety weight to get my period back. And if I drop below it, my period would go again. That's why it took me six and a half years after the five years of initially having it. Cause I was like, Oh, got my period. Let me lose weight now. And it was like, that's not actually how it works. Um, and just kind of sitting with that and, you know, self-pleasure looking in the mirror, doing the body scans, being able, and I was actually just on a Voxer call this morning with someone that I'm working with that's going through this, where it's like, can you stand naked in front of a mirror and go from your toes to your head without saying a negative comment? Probably not. And like, so I would go through and I would go start from my toes all the way up. And anytime that I would fail at saying like, if some thought would come in and it's okay, it doesn't mean it's bad. It's just the awareness of that thought. I would start from the bottom again until I can make it all the way up. 
and just kind of catching my thoughts. Like, what's my first thought when I look in the mirror in the morning? Am I poking at my belly? Am I like doing this to my face and like popping my nose? Like, I don't know. Like, what am I doing? Or is it just like, I'm alive. Okay. Can I do a body scan before I look in the mirror and kind of really starting to be aware of these things. And, you know, I had a great teams. I've had mentors, I've had, you know, healers, I've had Reiki, I've had therapists, I've had naturopaths. There's a really good book called eating under the moonlight. It's folk tales around eating disorders. Cause there's so much science you can have, but then you also want to learn, like, tell me a story about this so it can actually land for me. Um, and then putting them into place and like, thank goodness for my partnerships and my friendships. But I really do think it's because of the voice that I have around it now where I can like say like, my eating disorder brain is acting up right now. Like saying things and someone will reflect it back to me. Like I still do the thing where I'll like a time hop picture will come up and I'll be like, look at those abs. And everyone that I ever say it to, they're like, or malnutrition, stop looking at that. (laughs) Cause they know I didn't do that healthfully. They're like, absolutely not. We're going to, we're going to cut that right in the butt right now. Um, But they know that because I told them, right? Like when I was in my ventral Vegas, like regulated state, I would tell them the stories of the things and not in a way of like, I'm bleeding onto them. It was like, Hey, can you be my sounding board in this? Because I know my eating disorder brain will come in and they'll just kind of reflect things back. But yeah, there's no, like, I know I went on a ramble for that, but like, there's no like short answer. It's really just kind of these micro moments where you're like, okay, like this is the one arena that was enough for me. You know, for me that started with don't look at the menus. Right. And then it was, let me learn about my nervous system. Then it was like, let me catch my thought here. Let me look at myself naked here. Let me have self-pleasure here and just kind of re-entering pleasure into my life and personal responsibility. Cause they're the things that eating disorders, we give it up to, right. We don't know what pleasure feels like. We don't, we think it's too much. We think we're not deserving of it. We don't know what that feels like. So how can we get into that state? And then we build the trust by continually doing that and taking that responsibility, which also builds that trust okay thank you for that and can you give the listeners like a high level uh description of of what it's like to work with you what sort of things do you do um to to help you know i I guess not i guess it's a one size does not fit all obviously (laughs) um but just an idea of some of the stuff that yeah your clients get to do Yeah. So, I mean, like right now, right. We have Maven's metabolism. This is all about repairing the metabolism in a way that is 14 day immersion. I am walking you through step-by-step what's the morning, evening, lunch, snack. What does that look like? Cause no one taught me that like the furthest my education got on nutrition was here's how to put a fork in your mouth and cut your steak. Like that was it. And then I went into calorie counting. I had no idea. Um, so we work on that and we also work on recalibrating and reconnecting with our body. Um, again, those body scan kind of things, but really what it looks like is we start with the foundations because a lot of us jump into things. What do I, what do I not eat is usually the question we start with, right? Let me cut out sugar. Let me cut out gluten. Let me cut out dairy. Let me who the reason that stuff doesn't work is we're not looking at what we're doing every single day. So we get to the foundations. What are you doing every single day that's impacting the thing you're trying to change right now? Whether that's anxiety, whether that's trauma, whether that's your IBS, what are you doing every day that's impacting that? And then from there, we start to focus on things that add in. So when it comes to IBS, I focus more on what are the nutrients we have to add in to really support your pancreas, your liver, your natural enzymes production to get your vagus nerve stimulated, things like that. 
Um, and we'll be doing that over Voxer, which is that walkie talkie app, if people don't know what that is. Um, and then we'll have like one hour deep dive health history. So I go through the last three years of your health history. Cause I mean, we'll talk about the previous things because it's probably been going on for a long time, but really what I care about is the things that have been going on in the last three years. And we'll break that all down in a not so sciencey way <laughs> so that we can come up with a game plan that's personalized for you. Um, but yeah, there's no like one size fit all right now. We're just focusing on metabolism because that's, that's currently what's out. And then we get into relationships and then we get into anxiety and trauma and things like that throughout the year. And is it like um, sort of one-on-one -on -one calls as well as, you know, the interaction with Voxer and stuff like that? Yeah. So we have one-on-one -on -one calls and then it's, it's audio calls. So we'll have bi-weekly calls because video calls with people, it's very interesting because you get so caught up in this whole, like looking at ourselves and making sure we, when it's like just an audio right. call, it's just yeah. way more freeing. Um, and then the Voxer in between. And then anyone that does the one-on-one -on -one or the masterminds also gets access to any of the programs that I run. And I run a program about one a month. Okay. So if, if anyone listening um, is relating to this and, and wants to reach out, where's the best place for them to go? The typical place, Instagram. <laughs> um, and that one is, it's Laura Patricia Martin. So at ITS, Laura Patricia Martin is my personal one. And then our company one is Healing to Happy. So T-O, happy. Okay. So Instagram is the place to go. Um, and I always like to finish these conversations with anything you feel called to share with the listeners, anything at all. Yeah. I feel like I'm exhausted this phrase, but it's so true. It's you cannot be at war with your body and win. Like that has been my biggest life lesson in this world, whether it's the physical pains, whether it's, you know, the mental pains and the struggles and the emotions, like our body can't heal itself if we're constantly feeling like it's broken or something's wrong with it. Like there are so many trigger, uh, treasures in the triggers. We just have to sit down and listen to them. And I know it's scary and I know it's painful and I know we want to just swipe it away and like get rid of it. But like when we can actually sit down and get into communication with our body, it becomes the safest place we'll ever be. Wow, I love that. Yeah, that made a lot of sense. Um, well, Laura, thank you so much. Um, it's been a real pleasure to meet you and understand a bit more about your journey. And I'm very, very happy for you with your love of your life. And, um, and I hope the family comes as you want it to. I'm sure it will. But thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. If you enjoyed that conversation or were inspired in any way, please, please leave me a review on iTunes. It's the best way for other people to find my podcast and be inspired themselves. Well, I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and perhaps the story resonated with your own life or reminded you that perhaps you're also settling for second best. I've been helping people from a young age and realizing that there is more to life than what they are currently settling for. My desire is to give others the love to confidently and respectfully know their value so that they feel joy and are empowered to make a fulfilling difference. If that sounds good to you and you'd like to reach out and connect, you can find me at facebook.com forward slash Mel Clark coaching. That's Clark with an E or Instagram.com forward slash Mel Clark coaching. Enjoy your day. <laughs>